Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, and this is episode number 22. I'm so, uh, just, I'm so pumped for today's guest as I'm talking to my dear, my dear friend, Miko Seymour. Miko is a pastor for Pinellas Community Church in St. Petersburg, Florida, and he's passionate, he's really passionate about discipling new converts and showing them their place in God's story. In this episode, Miko and I speak to just the importance of biblical brotherhood and how that helps you through seasons of just terrible doubt and and great adversity. So enjoy this lively conversation as we talk about this, about suffering, about faith, and about the God behind it all. Today's show is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which inspires lifelong discipleship and helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word. To find out more about the Christian Standard Bible, go to csbible.com. Now for Miko. For the few folks out there who actually listen, um, let's start with just uh, you, Miko, introducing yourself and introducing your ministry and just kind of what you're doing in uh, St. Petersburg. Yeah. Uh, so as Brad has already said, my name is Miko and I am the Community Life pastor at Pinellas Community Church in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, A lot of people are always asking me, what does Pinellas stand for? It is the name of the county here that St. Pete is in. Um, We are, I would say, the best city in the state of Florida. And I'm saying that because Brad is down in West Palm. (laughs) Yeah, I would have some umbrage with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But we, we do hold the Guinness World Record for the most consecutive days of sunshine in the American city. Yeah. And as the sunshine state, that's probably a good thing to hold. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So you've been in St. Pete for how many years now? Let's see. August will be two years. August is two years. And um, you've been at Pinellas for those two Mm -hmm. years? That's right. So sort of explain um, what you mean by community life pastor, just what's involved with, with that and kind of what your role is at Pinellas. Sure. Um, It's sort of a throwaway title, to be honest, um, (laughs) because it does encompass so much. 
Um, I deal with uh, the front door of the church, the back door of the church. So basically, from the moment that someone drives onto the property, uh, they are encountering my teams um, until the moment someone decides to move away, um, you know, out of the city, leave the church, that kind of thing. Um, that also involves my area of ministry. Um, so in between, I handle uh, things like discipleship. So, you know, when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, um, you are at my church, you are going through our ministries, and I oversee those ministries, walking you through that process of being in a relationship with Jesus, what that looks like, what that entails. Um, I also oversee um, our, uh, let's see, um, baptism. I oversee our um, hospitality, greeters, cafe. Uh, what else do I do? I do systems for our church. I uh, create our or create and organize our website. I uh, build our church apps, things like that. I mean, my 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 scope of ministry um, <laughs> really touches pretty much uh, anything outside of uh, children and youth and worship. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so everything yeah. else just throw to Miko. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I get to liaise with the city and other community partners that we have at our church. And um, that's the stuff that I really, really, truly enjoy. And just being able to walk people, um, uh, walk with people while they're on their yeah. journey. No, well, I was going to ask you about that later, but let's just jump into it now, because I know just from uh, knowing you and just <laughs> what I see from you, um, you really love the community of St. Petersburg mm -hmm. and just um, sort of talk about that if you can, just because okay. um, I know that you love it, but also explain I, to you at least um, why it is important for pastors, well, not just pastors, but for Christians to like love the community they're in, because I think it's really important. And I think yeah. it's not always talked about, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm one of those guys where, you know, I believe that um, I believe in the world as it could be. I, I say that often. And um, I think when we when we say something like that, when we say that we can affect the world, we can help change the world, we can make the world better. Um, that can be daunting. Uh, but if you can pull back, if you can pull it back into your locality, right, if you can affect your area, your community, your city, um, I think you are affecting the world because you are helping to bring about change and, mm -hmm. and influence in, in where you're at. And so I think that's really important, especially for pastors today um, or ministry leaders today um, who are all about, you know, um, changing the world. Well, start at home, right? Mm -hmm. You know, start in the, in the community that you're in. And so St. Pete is a, uh, it's an interesting city. Um, unlike, uh, you know, the, the cities of South Florida. So I'm talking West Palm beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, um, or even, uh, central Florida, Orlando, Daytona, that kind of thing. It's a city on the Gulf coast. It's very weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> it's very hipster. It's very coffee is everywhere <laughs> on every corner. Um, we have specialty restaurants. Uh, there are, there's just local business everywhere. And so, um, we attract a lot of people who are really into that. We attract a lot of millennials. We attract a lot of hipsters. I'm a hipster. So I'm saying that, um, <laughs> you know, with, with romanticism, um, <laughs> We, we attract a lot of what we call snowbirds, so people who are coming down from the north, you know, to spend uh, winter down here. Sure. Um, 
And because of that, it is a very unchurched city. Yep. Uh, we're in the Tampa Bay area, and it's a very unchurched metro area. And a lot of that is, if you know anything about the American uh, Northeast, um, if you know anything about the American even upper Midwest, um, it's 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 an unchurched culture. And so we get a lot of those people who are coming down here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as they contribute to the city, you start to see um, the, the positives and the negatives of that sometimes. And so I just really love, um, being able to step into that vein and, and just let people know that they are loved by Christ. Um, and he's put some things in them that's uniquely for them, but uniquely for our community. And so I, I just love being able to reach out to them and St. Pete, um, really affords me to be able to do that because it's, I, it, it's, they're my people, right? Like, I really, like, I really connect with the coffee, the coffee lovers and the, 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 um, niche, uh, restaurant goers and, and things. Like that. so, That's awesome. Well, yeah. I like to hear that. And also, um, I can really relate to your, um, when you were talking about the snowboards, just because, uh, we, I mean, we get a lot of those too, even at yeah. our, our church. Um, maybe, uh, for those who aren't Floridian ministers, <laughs> maybe speak to the the nature of that, especially as a pastor, yeah. as a community mm-hmm. life pastor who is mm-hmm. engaging um, mm-hmm. a lot of visitors every single Sunday. Um, how do you build a church family, so to speak, with people who are not always there all the time? <laughs> that <laughs> is, like, yeah, out yeah. of months of the year. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a really great question. I get it all the time. Um, we, you know, honestly, one of the things I think that we struggle with as ministers of the gospel, I think we get into this idea that ministry is supposed to look a certain way. And if it's not that way, then we're failing. And one of the things that I've learned while being here, uh, in St. Pete is that, you know, what ministry has to look the way it needs to look for your context, for your locality, for where you are. And so we have small groups, um, just like the majority of churches, uh, that you talk to. And, um, some of those small groups are really, really great about accepting or bringing in people who are only here for four or five months. Mm -hmm. And uh, these people are here and they know that they belong to that small group. As soon as they land, you know, they are, they're in church life, they're in group life and they're doing all the things that they would do. This is their, my church is their church home for the four or five months that they're here. And so we really try to, um, try, try to really grab hold of that. So in those months that they are here, we treat them just like they're here year round. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when they're gone, uh, we do follow up with them, make sure that they're good. You know, life is still going well, that they're plugged, plugged in into a local church, even at home. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, that's really important for us. Um, as far as building ministry teams and things like that, again, we have, a special group of people who come down, they've been coming down for years. And so as soon as they get here, they plug in not only to small groups, but they also plug into, uh, to ministry teams. And, and that's been somewhat of a blessing for me because I haven't really had to uh, really push them to do that. They want to be, um, they want to be involved. They, they're not coming here just to kind of sit, you know, in a chair, they're coming here to be a part of small group, be a part of, uh, be a part of the ministry team. So we really try to, you know, in those four or five months, we try to invest back into these, uh, what we call the snowbirds. And I think because we're doing that, because we treat them 
as if they're here year round. I believe that that solidifies or makes uh, this their church makes that more concrete sure. uh, for them. And you know, obviously there are some challenges to that because for some snowbirds, they'll they'll show up and you know where they were living last year is not where they're living this year, and so there's some logistical things there as far as database and all that. Um, but ultimately they really contribute to the life um, and breadth of the church. So it's been, it's been pretty, pretty easy. So as far as negatives go, there hasn't really been many of them. And I think it's because they really do find that this is their church. And for me and our team at the church, the other thing that I think contributes to them making that decision is, um, really the fact that they are known mm-hmm. you know what i mean like um they're not just coming here for four or five months and maybe stepping into a group and maybe stepping onto a ministry team and kind of still in the shadows and they leave but they are known i mean we have people who are just um we have other members of our church who are waiting for our snow snowbirds to get there, get here because it's exciting. They have relationships with, with one another, you know what I mean? So they're known when they, when they show up. So it's been, uh, for the most part, it's been pretty easy. That's awesome to hear. And I think it goes, it speaks, um, or it goes back to what you were speaking about earlier when you were talking about, cause one of the r- natures of your role is discipleship. And I think, mm-hmm. um, just as you have been talking, well, let's before let's before I ask that, let's back up. What is what would you say then? Because this can look like a lot of different things to a lot sure. of different people. But what this is probably a bad question. But what is discipleship in your eyes? If, if because that can be flavored a lot of different ways. Yeah, it uh, sure with a lot can. Of different Christians. So when you say that you're discipling someone, what does that mean uh, to you? Yeah, in our context, it really is um, allowing people to come to know Christ, and it's um, walking them, uh, walking with them on the journey of knowing Him and and growing a deeper relationship with Him. So whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. right? Whatever that looks like for that individual, that yeah. is what we are on the journey with them to do. And uh, you know, whether you're a snowbird or you live here in St. Pete. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like in South Florida as far as church going goes, but here, you know, we have people who are showing up to church, you know, on the first Sunday and we won't see them again until the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, that's just normal here in St. Pete because we have the beach, you know, people are waking up and they're just going out to the beach. That's what they want to do for the day. Um, so whether it's someone who's attending church once a month or someone who's attending every single week. Uh, we are on that journey and that's what we, we call discipleship. And if you really want to drill down into that, um, discipleship is also, uh, walking them through the steps of really knowing him of, of, of making a decision to follow Jesus, um, getting baptized, learning to read the Bible, learning how to pray, learning how to be in relationship with one another and learning how to affect their community. Uh, that all falls into uh, discipleship for, for us. Hmm. And then that goes back into, you know, the, the people who are only there a couple months mm-hmm. out of the year, mm-hmm. it, I would think um, it would bring a sort of heightened sense of 
urgency. Maybe, I mean, you're not like frantically trying to pull yourself into people, but in a sense you are, you're trying to make sure that while they're there, you know, as you said, that they're known and they are, they feel, because when they are known and then they're going to feel like, just like you were saying that this is their church, this is their home for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Um, That's awesome. I, I I like, I liked, well, I liked that, but um, as just any general visitor, as the community life guy, um, as anyone comes and visits Pinellas and comes through your doors, what would you say is like the one thing that you hope they come away, that they go home with, like, what's the one thing that you, you hope that they leave with? Yeah. Well, you know, not to be cheesy, but Jesus, <laughs> right? Like that, that's the ultimate uh, thing. Um, we want them to, honestly, I want them to, to come into a relationship with Christ. I mean, that's, I feel like that's why we do what we do at the end of the day, at the end of all programs and all the ministries and all of the celebrations and all of the frustrations. We just want everybody to walk away knowing Christ. Um, the other thing as it pertains to our church, um, I want them, we really want them to know that they are welcomed and normal and, um, they have a family, you know, whether they want to return or not, um, they have a family that would be waiting there for them. And we're a really diverse church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the south side of St. Pete, which is uh, predominantly African-American. Um, the socioeconomic um, background of, of uh, the community there can be varied, but um, it, it does uh, trend lower on that side of town. And so um, it's a very eclectic group that comes onto campus every single week. And um and so when you, when you show up, when you uh, engage and then you leave, I, our hope is that you, you saw Jesus, um, but you also saw a glimpse, glimpse of heaven. You saw that mm-hmm. there was diversity there, you know, not, not one race or anything like that, but you, you just saw a group of people who are loving and doting on Christ, but who are also learning more about him and going deeper together. Mm. That's awesome. I like that catching a glimpse of heaven and that that's cool. Um, That's really cool. But let's, let's sort of go even further back now. Okay. Because I like this story. Uh, We've talked about it before. Um, Just in (laughs) the long kind of way that God brought you from, I think you were in Georgia. Yeah. um, And then he brought you to Florida. So I can't remember the whole timeline of everything, Sure. but if you can just walk us through that and just, and um, speaking to just how God worked in you and your wife yeah, sure. to go from where you thought was, you know, your home to now yeah. making a new home, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, well, just a little bit of background. Uh, I grew up in Orlando. Uh, and so I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I met my wife. I moved there about. 10 years ago now feels like yeah 10 years ago and then we moved to uh columbus georgia so before i moved to st pete i was in columbus georgia i was the community or not community connect nope what was i at the time communications director (laughs) 
at Evangel Temple in Columbus, Georgia. And we were having the time of our life, man. Um, just loving our church, loving the community of our church. Our people were there, you know, our community. And, um, and one day, man, we, um, I, I got a call from a church in Ohio and they told me that they were interested in um, bringing me up to interview for a position similar to the one that I'm in now here in St. Pete. And uh, so I had a pastor years ago tell me that, you know, if a door, if a door just kind of creaks open, then it doesn't hurt for you to look. Um, and so I looked, I went to my senior pastor and said, Hey, uh, this church is, you know, kind of checking me out and I'd love to, you know, just see what, what, what's going on. And he said, yeah, by all means, you know, do it. And so, um, went through the process, process of that. They flew us up to, uh, to Ohio. We had about over 20 interviews in the span of two mm -hmm. days and, uh, more interviews than I've ever had in my life. That's and, crazy. um, and, uh, you know, it, it was great. And every single interview, you know, people were asking us, you know, how we would do with cold weather and snow and all that. And, you know, we were, we were in Georgia, so we were used to a winter at least. And, um, you know, in Atlanta, we would get ice storms and things like that. And, um, so when we would share that people would all often say, well, you still don't know what winter was. <laughs> so anyway, um, we, we'd flown back to Columbus and uh, I remember being in our kitchen and my wife was in the living room and I was washing dishes. And I remember God kind of just dropped this word in my heart. And he said, your time in Columbus is coming to an end. And I remember, I think I like started crying a little bit. So my wife's like, what's going on or whatever. So I, you know, I, I shared with her what was going on or what God had said. And uh, it, it was it was heartbreaking because there was nothing wrong. Uh, we loved our church. We loved our pastor. We love our community. And um, I didn't want to go to, to Ohio. We didn't want to go to Ohio. Our goal since we were married uh, was to always come back home to Florida. And so, um, you know, having this opportunity to go to Ohio was like, okay, is this the Lord, you know, because God is going to call us to an un uncomfortable place and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 uh, so I went to my, my pastor and I said to him, you know, I feel like this is what God is saying, but I'm unsure. And so he said, you know what, just say yes, say yes. I don't know where that came from with him, but that's what he told me. He said, just say yes. And uh, God will take care of the nose for you. God will, God will handle everything that you're worried about. And so um, I remember one day uh, after that meeting, I went over to Starbucks and I gave the exec pastor um, over in Ohio a call. And I said um, that, you know, I'm saying yes to the, the job offer. And he said, okay, great. So tomorrow I'm going to give you a call and we'll talk all the logistics, your pay and the date and, you know, all that stuff. And so I said, okay, shaking, nervous, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, the next day I gave him a call, same Starbucks, gave him a call. And um, he said, you know, Miko, I, you know, for this role, uh, it, it was discipleship pastor that, that was the role. And he said, for the discipleship pastor role, we want to make sure that we have somebody here um, that won't get here and then in a few months want to leave. Um, this role requires you to be a part of the community and be a pretty substantial part of the community, which I completely understood. And he said, um, 
And I think that you were hesitant to say yes. So we're going to say no for you because I don't think you want to say no to us, but we're going to say no for you. Hmm. And, um, Brad, I mean, honestly, I've never, even to this day, I've never felt more relieved Mm. in my life. I've never felt more relieved in my life. And it was only maybe a week or two later that we got a call from Pinellas Community Church for the same exact role in Florida, (laughs) uh, the promised land. And, uh, (laughs) And so, you know, at that point, you know, I, I, when I tell the story, I, I always include this. At that point, the yes was easier, um, not only because it was Florida and it was where we wanted to be, but I believe that the Lord took us through that exercise of, you know, moving on from a place that we were very comfortable in, we were very happy, there was nothing wrong, um, and, and saying, yes, I will go where you are telling me to go. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that the Lord gave us what we wanted, which was coming back to Florida because we said yes to Ohio. Um, again, I was in, I was the communications director. So I was in a more administrative role. I wasn't in a pastoral role, uh, in Columbus. And so even, uh, taking that on was going to be daunting for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was everything that I wanted. Uh, but it, I, I didn't know if I was ready for it. Um, I was about to move my wife who was basically the second in command. She was working at a, at a credit union, um, where we were living and she was second in command. I mean, really just killing it at her job. And here I am about to move her, um, to a state, to a city that, um, she would know, she wouldn't know anyone, you know? Um, and so that was a very difficult decision to make, but it was easier because we had already said yes. That's right. Um, to, to Ohio. So that's how we got here two years ago. And, um, you know, we, we don't doubt that we are in the Lord's will. Um, but it was just a crazy, just crazy experience. I mean, this was a church, Brad, if, you know, if I can to speak to ministry leaders who may be listening, the church in Ohio is a church where you want to be. Mm -hmm. It is a church where they, um, right as we would get there to start, working there, they were opening up a brand new auditorium that I think was going to seat like 5,000 people. Okay. Um, this is a church that's right off the highway, you know, like the coveted position, your sign is there. Everybody can see you have, um, I think I would have had four staff members under me, uh, in my department, you know, just a really great senior leader. Uh, the church is huge. Uh, you know, so, and, and it's in a, um, it's in a major city in, in Ohio. And, um, and just for confidentiality, I won't say what city, but, um, this was a church that you wanted to be, you wanted to be a part of the ministry, right? Because it, it was a big ministry. It was a, you would get to do the things that you see all of these other people doing. And I have always been at bigger churches. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been on staff at three churches. I've always been at bigger churches. And so this was yet a bigger church to go to. So when I'm saying yes to Pinellas Community Church, it's a community church. It's a smaller church. Um, It's, you know, they weren't opening a brand new auditorium to seat 5,000, you know, and um, 
budget was going to be a big deal. And you know what I'm saying? And you're coming down to Florida, which the cost of living compared to or cost of living in Florida compared to uh, Georgia is like (laughs) crazy. Right. So like it makes no sense. It it would have made no sense. You know, if I, if I compared both churches uh, you know, I, I do believe there are a lot of young ministers who would say, no, you go to the big church, you go, you know, like you do what it takes. Who cares about winter? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I do believe that God builds us and calls us into seasons and into localities specifically for us. Yep. Um, and yep. so in St. Pete is that I, I, I do believe that my wife and I were built for this city and the city built for us. Mm. And, um, and, and to those ministry leaders who may be listening, who may be finding themselves, you know, okay, what's next, what's coming up, um, the, the glitz and the glamour hmm. of ministry, man, that's, that's far and few, you know, in between. <laughs> and, um, you're, you get more out of the, the toiling, the, the, yeah. the, the work, the, the real work, you know, yep. that you yourself have to do because you don't have four staff members under you. You don't <laughs> have the budget under you. You don't have the great brand new auditorium with the, you know, 1000 foot digital L- LED screen or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so you just follow Christ. And I, and I do believe that God is going to meet you there. That That's was right. my other thing. That's my other thing. When, when we were leaving uh, Columbus, I said, okay, God, I said, yes, to Ohio. I'm saying yes to Florida. Will you meet me there? That was my question to God. Mm-hmm. Will you meet me in Florida? And I'd say he did yeah, <laughs> for sure. He did. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just love that story and just thinking about it just because it's, I can really relate to it. And I, and I know you know this through our past conversations, just the way that God works though is just so, I don't know. I just look back and I just laugh sometimes. And yeah, I'm sure you do at times too, when you look back at how God moved you from one place to another and one decision to another, whatever. And just thinking about (laughs) when uh, he, he lays a call on your life and then he changes it. And it's just, um, but it's cool to look back on that and see just how he, how he changes you in those seasons, as you said. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it was interesting because I was at a church in Atlanta before Columbus and I was in student ministries for the longest time. And, just doing real ministerial work. And, and then when we got the offer to go down to Columbus to do communi- to be a communications director, it, this was such a um, departure for, for me because it was yeah. so administrative versus, you know, the, the ministry side of it. And, you know, when you talk about kind of looking back and, and laughing at how God kind of walks you through this, now I'm the community life pastor here in St. Pete. And a lot of my job, is communication. A lot of my job is systems. A lot of my job, like all the things that I had to learn, uh, because my aim was not to be a, a, uh, a communications director. Um, but all the things that I had to learn for that role, I'm finding so valuable mm. in my role now. So it's just all of this stuff that you pick up, right. That you pick up on your, on your journey to, sure. to where God has you. Yeah, for sure. And well, uh, let's, well, just, just speak to that for a moment, just because, yeah. <laughs> um, cause that brings up another good thought is that it, 
so I think we've talked about this before in another venue, but so often guys who, you know, they say they feel the call to ministry, they want, you know, just like you were saying, the glitz and the glamour ministry right now, right as, you know, right when they feel that call, they feel like they should have the platform. But yeah. I think just what you said, and also what I've learned too over the last couple of years is that the well, number one, God may never give you a large platform, but that doesn't really matter. But number two, more importantly, he's put you in a specific season for a reason. And what you're learning right now, uh, just like you were saying, what you were learning then has gone to influence what you're doing now. And who's to say that, you know, that weird desk job that you have, you know, trying to make it through college isn't going to help you when you graduate and eventually get you know, whatever role you end up getting or whatever. So um, anyways, I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but I just think it's important to be, uh, um, just be where you are, I guess is yeah. how I would put it. Yeah. I, you know, and, and we have uh, talked about this a little bit in other places, but you know, young guys who are stepping into ministry, what they see, they're seeing on social media and, mm -hmm. and things like that, videos of sermons and, and whatever. But I wonder what thing, every time I see posts like that, you know, on Instagram from, from big names, big churches, I'm wondering what's behind that person taking the picture. Um, what seats are they not showing, you know, um, mm -hmm. that aren't filmed and, you know, uh, and, and I'm not trying to say anything negative about other ministries, but there is something to be said about uh, young people who are stepping into ministries who are looking at that and saying, um, you know, when I graduate from college or when I get out of ministry school or whatever the case may be, um, when, I, when I'm done with this internship, I'm stepping into a ministry like that. And that could be very dangerous because yeah. Um, yeah. that is not the case often, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then sometimes the other side of that is you may step into a role at some church and you're trying to create what you see on social media from That's other right. churches. Yep. And that is not the context that you're in. That's not yep. the locality that you're in, yep. you know, um, the, the things that you see maybe working at other places is just, it probably isn't going to work in, in, in your locality. In fact, uh, my staff and I, we were at a retreat this past week and, um, I said, that's one of the biggest things, things that I've been learning over the last two weeks is, or last two years is that a lot of things that I want to do that I know can work from other ministries that I've been a part of, um, they're not going to work here. They're just not, um, people show up, uh, church starts at nine o'clock. People show up at nine 30, uh, <laughs> because they stopped at the local coffee shop yeah. or they were at the beach and they're rushing to our church or they went to another church and they're coming to our church. That happens too, <laughs> you know? And so um, where I want to be bullish about churches, nine o'clock, you know, and at nine o'clock I'm locking all the doors, you know, something silly. Um, you, you can't, you can't do that here. If I want to have, you know, one of the big things right now that I see in other ministries is um, like a creative night, you know, uh, people are all over the place doing that. And it's awesome. And I want to be a part of that. I want to go to them. I wish I could fly to them, you know, um, <laughs> that doesn't work here because this is a city where you can't ask people to come out another night. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. Sunday is a lot for them, you know, going to uh, coming to church on a Sunday and going to a group, you know, uh, during during the week and then asking them to come to something else. It's just it's it's not possible here. Um, It has to be something super, super big, super, super special for that to even happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Another another thing that we see a lot of churches doing lately is, you know, cafes and not lately, that's been a thing, but coffee and and things like that at at church. Um, We're in St. Petersburg, Florida. It is hot here (laughs) on Sunday morning. It's 80 to 90 degrees. (laughs) So although our coffee does sell, I mean, people are buying cold brew more, you know, they're buying iced coffee more than regular coffee. So, and, and I'm being silly now, but these are things that if you're just looking at social media, if you're just looking at what all the big churches are doing, the big minister ministers and ministries are doing, and you're saying to yourself, I'm going to step into, to my church and I'm going to do the exact same thing. It's just not going to work. I think the the most important thing for any person stepping into ministry should do is talk to the Lord. Yep. Who are, who, who do you want us to be God Hmm. in this locality? Who do you want us to be and what needs are we here to meet? Yeah. Yeah. And then you go from there. You go from there. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. I like it, it. That puts everything in perspective then, because then you're not going after you know, the big, you know, for like, uh, you're not going after the platform, you're going after people then. And that's more important. That's way more important than trying to, you know, get uh, a million Twitter followers. It's you're going after souls. And yeah, yeah, that's way more important. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why too, you know, we were talking earlier about our snowbirds, you know, when our snowbirds show up, our, our attendance spikes, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I I mean, lots of people are coming to church during that time. And then when they leave, there is a noticeable absence of Mm -hmm. people, but we're, we're okay with that because we know who we are. We know what kind of church we are. We know that we attract a ton of snowbirds whenever they are, they are in town. And so we adjust our ministry to, uh, to reflect and to, and to walk, whether walk with them, whether they're here, whether they are here in St. Pete or they're back home in the North. Mm, Sure. Yeah. Well, um, if you'll permit me, let's just sort of shift gears just a little okay. bit. Um, okay. And I know, like, I wish like I could reach through the screen right now and just give you a big old hug just because that's what I want to do. But um, if you'll allow me to ask this, what is, this is probably really ambiguous, but what's the biggest thing you've learned since you and your wife went through uh, your miscarriage a, couple, a year ago or so? Yeah. Um, what's the biggest thing that you learned through that? Cause I know that was a very difficult season for you and Simone. And, um, but what's this, what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned? Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So for those that don't know, you wouldn't know. Um, we experience, experience a miscarriage last August. So it's going to be a year. And uh, we have been married for five years this November and have, have been trying for about two and a half years, almost three years. And uh, last summer, uh, found out that we were pregnant. And then uh, weeks later, found out that we were miscarrying. And I think, you know, we're coming up on a year of this process and of this journey. One of the things to know about miscarriages 
that I did not know uh, before is that they actually happen and they happen more than we know. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. Um, and you know this when you when you guys got pregnant last last year, um, you're in this moment of like surprise, excitement, shock. <laughs> oh no! Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, like you're in this. You're not thinking, um, or at least I wasn't wasn't thinking. Okay, uh, something could happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not thinking that. So then when it does happen, it's a complete shock. It's a complete like, what in the world is going on? And, and I say that to say, um, there's a tie in my spirit as far as what I've learned. Um, one is that God is always faithful. Hmm. He's always faithful. We haven't gotten pregnant since. Um, but he's still faithful. Amen. Um, the other thing, and I'll expound on that one, but the other thing is that I didn't realize the gravity or the weight of my relationship with Jesus until the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that because I think you, you, it may be really hard to fathom the depth of his love without going through um, a moment where he literally is all you have hmm. and you don't even know if he's on your side. <laughs> and I'm saying that not as, and remember I'm a pastor, so I love the Lord, you know, like <laughs> I, I'm just joking, but um, I'm saying that not as someone who blames God or, or, or anything like that, but you step into a moment where you're just like, how dare you? Hmm. how dare you do this? And, um, and you vacillate between that and, well, he's got everything, you know, in his hands, you know, he, he knows everything and he, he wants to comfort you and he's there and he knows the plan. And, you know, you vacillate between that. And in that vacillation, like I really believe um, that me trying to figure him out, really caused me to understand, wait a second, I really do have a relationship with the God of the universe Mm. because I am, I'm crying to him. I'm yelling at him. I'm angry with him. And I know he hasn't left me. I know he's big enough to take what I'm dishing out right now. And he knew I was going to be this way. He knew I would be heartbroken. Um, and he's still here. And, uh, he, is the only, you know, he's the only one that really understands what it is that, that I'm going through. So I learned that he's, he's faithful. Um, you know, my, my life verse comes out of Psalm 18 to the faithful. He shows himself faithful. And Mm -hmm. so I've always, I've always tried to be faithful because I want him to be faithful and not that if I'm not faithful, he won't be faithful. But I think what David is saying, you know, um, just be faithful. The Lord will be faithful to you, but be faithful. Mm-hmm. Just be faithful. The verb be, be faithful. And so I've always tried to live that kind of life. And, um, but to see him or to feel him say, you're not abandoned 
in this mm. um, was a big deal for me. Yeah. And then um, to, to understand that I, I was able to be, I was able to be very vulnerable with my God, that, that, that was the other, that was the other thing for mm. us. So I think, um, I haven't worshiped in the same way. Um, my worship is different. My worship is not out of a, 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 a love or a, um, you know, this is what I'm, I've been taught, you know, or this, this is what you do, you know, when you're in church or, or whatever, yeah, um, yeah. or wherever I'm, I'm doing this as a, um, this is literally a result of what is going on internally in me. My, my, my worship is, is different. My prayers are different. The way I view ministry is different. The way I view people who are hurting, um, is different. I, the way that I look at young, young adult men and, you know, that's, that's, you know, I have, I have a soft spot for young adult men, especially those who are wanting to enter ministry, um, who are starting off, you know, just getting married, just starting a family. I look at them a little bit differently now because I think, I think they've been abandoned uh, somewhat by the church. I think they've been abandoned somewhat by ministries. Um, and I say that because there were portions or moments of my spirituality there are portions or moments of my relationship with Christ that I hadn't yet tapped into and didn't know that I could tap into that and never had anyone with the language to explain those areas of my relationship with, with Christ. I didn't know, and I'm a pretty vulnerable guy, pretty vulnerable with, you know, talking to you and talking to my other friends and things like that. I'm pretty vulnerable. I like to be mm -hmm. vulnerable. I never understood the, the depth of what it looks like for a man to be vulnerable with his God. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we haven't, I don't think we've done a good job of, of allowing men to, to be able to do that and teaching them the language to be able to do that. So this miscarriage, um, though sad, um, and even now, you know, as I'm thinking about it, um, just kind of devastating, not kind of, it was devastating. Um, it revealed a lot of truth to me and revealed a lot of God hmm. to me when David is talking, you know, um, when he's, when he's, when he's praying to God and he's writing these moments of, um, about his children and about, um, just his life in these moments where he just, we know this from scripture. He's, um, in some time, in some moments, not the best father, um, but how he's talking to God, um, and how God is revealing himself in those moments. Um, I connected before, but not in the depth that I, um, connect now. And, it, you know, the flip side of that is when I do have children and, and even you, I'm sure now that you have, um, a child, um, the way that you look at fatherhood, the way that you relate to, to God is completely, completely different. And I think God takes us through these moments, um, in order to reveal these different facets, yep. um, of yep. who he is. Yep. That is so true, Miko. And I, I want to say thank you for, um, being vulnerable, but also, cause I don't, I don't bring this up just 
because I want to hear about it. I, I bring it up because I think it speaks to an important hole in a lot of um, Christians' lives, whether they've gone through something like this or something similar. And that is, um, you know, you talked about vacillating back and forth. And I think that vacillation between, you know, you know, the Christian platitudes that you've learned since Sunday school and also the times when you're like, why in the world would you make me go through this, God? That vacillation to me is sort of the heart of the Christian life. And so often though, we, uh, I think, and I'm, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I think we get into this idea where that vacillation is, should be avoided and should be, uh, we can't vacillate at all. And like, when we go through suffering, you just need to, well, God will never give you more than you can handle and everything works out for good. And we, we get all those sort of um, platitudinal verses I think I just made up a word, but we get those verses out that are cliche. Yeah. And that's not really the point of what Paul is saying there. When Paul says that, you know, this momentary light affliction, he is not, you know, saying that the crappy stuff in life is not crappy. He's saying that, just like you said, that regardless, God is faithful to you in whatever season of life you're going through. And I think... Even when you vacillate, it says in, I think it's Second Timothy uh, uh, 2, that even when you're faithless, he is faithful. And yeah. that's, I mean, that yeah. blows, that should blow your mind. And if, you does, and if it doesn't blow your mind, go back and read the verse again. But, yeah. <laughs> and even when you're crying out to God and saying, like, how dare you let me go through this? He is still saying, great is my faithfulness and my mercy is going to be new tomorrow when you wake up and. Yeah. That vacillation, I think, is important because I yeah. think it teaches us, you know, just like you said, a lot about ourselves, but even more yeah. so a lot about our God. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's interesting. I'll tell you this story. I don't, I don't think I've I told you this, but um, you guys, let's see, you found out you were pregnant last May, June, I can't remember, last summer sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I remember thinking, when we found out, I remember thinking, okay, I, I, I just, I really want to tell Brad, you know? And so <laughs> I, I remember doing so. And it was, I mean, it was maybe a week or two afterwards that we miscarried. And I remember feeling, um, less than, mm. um, I remember feeling shame. I, I mean, there was nothing that we did, you know, or, or anything, but I remember feeling those things. And uh, so we had experienced this, this mis- miscarriage on a Sunday. My wife was leading worship and um, she felt that something was wrong. And so she rushed home and, and realized what was happening. We dealt with that the entire that week. And then um, Sunday was coming as it always does in ministry. <laughs> Sunday's <laughs> always coming. And, uh, and my pastor's just awesome. And he's just like, man, you know, take it easy. And, you know, that kind of thing. And I, you know, pass it on to my wife because she was scheduled to lead worship again on Sunday. And I said, you don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to do that. And she, because she's a baller, she's awesome. <laughs> she's like, no, I, I want to, I want to. And, um, and so she got up there and, and it made me so angry because we were singing, good, good father. Hmm. And, um, and she was up there, Brad. Um, 
and she was worshiping and and I'm looking at her and I'm, you know, just doing the, the husband, the husband thing and just making sure she's good. And, um, and she's just worshiping. I mean, like full out worshiping through pain, like the real deal worship. And, and I'm standing there in the front row because that's my job. That's what I need to do. And, um, and I remember saying, I remember saying to him, to God, yeah, you're a good, good father, but you suck right now. You do. And I can't believe I'm even sharing this here, but um, I remember having that feeling, Brad, that I know who you are. I know that you are God and I know that you are faithful and I know that you are good and the plans that you have for me are good and true. But right now, right now, you and me, we're at odds. You know, I remember thinking that all through that song. Hmm. And uh, I remember at the end of the song, I just felt this um, kind of this peace, you know, just this God peace this jesus just saying yeah it's all right you could be mad at me but i'm gonna walk you through this one (laughs) and it's not in vain and it will be worth it and i remember thinking and i mean all of this has taken place you know in the context of this one song um this is when i mean everybody's singing this song in every church you know every week during that season and um And I remember at the end of it feeling, okay, I felt you say this to me, that you're going to walk me through it. And I'm just going to rely on that. And from that moment, that would have been um, August 14th of last year. From that moment on, I, I lean into him a little bit differently. Hmm. I remind him, which is so silly, right? I remind him you said you would walk me through this. So I'm leaning into you for this when I would get sad and look things up because there's nothing out there for guys who have gone through miscarriages, by the way, um, (laughs) which is so crazy. And, uh, for as common as it is. Um, and I kept saying, God, there's nothing out there. So I need you to give me the strength and I I need you to give me the wisdom. What do I do here? How do I, how do I make sure that my wife is okay? Because that's the thing, right? When, when, yeah, in anything that's happening in your family, you you want your wife to be, to be good. And sometimes, um, that means that you're not tending to yourself and to your emotions and what's going on in you. And, um, and I couldn't reach out to anybody because I didn't, people didn't understand or people weren't asking the question anymore. How are you, how are you? And so I could only really rely on him. Hmm. And I think part of what we've, what I've gone through over the last year is that God is saying, you know, and, and I don't mean to be cheesy again, but God is saying, I, you know, I kind of want to be your one and only. And, uh, and I think through this, I, 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 I somewhat, I know what that, looks like when he's, when he's begging us 
if you could just turn to me, I know that there are books and I know that there, are, you know, you have your friends and, you know, all of this spiritual gurus out there. But if you could just turn to me, I've got you, you know, and, Amen. and so, and so that's, that's, that's what I ended up doing. My ministry looks a little bit different, like I said before, and I have a lot of compassion um, a lot more compassion. I don't want to sound, did, did that sound heartless? <laughs> because I think it did, but um, I have a, a lot more compassion in areas that I think I didn't. Um, I'm a little slower now. Um, again, for those young guys or young women who are stepping into ministry um, where we want to see people make life changes immediately. Um <laughs> that's not the case yeah. um, a lot of times. And, and, and you could get frustrated because you want those numbers to reflect all of the, all of the, the, the toiling and all of the work that you've put into, to ministry. Um, but God was on a journey with you, right? He is on a journey with me and he's on a journey with these people. And it's just because your doors are open from nine till noon doesn't mean that he has to operate in their lives just from nine to noon. And so it's given me the miscarriage has given me a chance to slow down and, and see people and see their journey. Mm. Um, and, and, and really realize that people, people really do deal with, with like real stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it seems that it takes a devastation in your own life to recognize that. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe that's, that's what it took. It, it definitely was um, what I needed to kind of to 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 move me into this new compassion area. Um, I walk around my city knowing that I'm a spiritual leader in my city. That we have homeless people. I mean, you're in South Florida. I I, I don't know how it is in West Palm Beach, but I know in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, it, it's 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 an issue. But we have homeless people everywhere in St. Pete where again, we're on the South side of the city. And so we're, we're dealing with all sorts of racial issues and, and economic issues. And, 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 and I've just been a little, I've been slower. I've been engaging in conversation. I've been asking the deeper questions. You know, I have a friend who just now have, he went through a miscarriage and, and because my biggest battle on a human level over the last year has been no one has, no one is asking the question anymore. How are you guys doing? Um, I make sure that I do with other people, not just with his miscarriage, but just with everything that people have going on, um, in their lives. And, um, you know, I even, and I'm not tooting a horn, but I want to give this example, um, to young ministers because I think it's important. Um, relationships matter and people matter. And at the top of this, before we started recording, you know, I was, you know, asking you about your life and asking you about, you know, your, your injury and things like that. Not because that's how you start a conversation, but because you, you just, you, I think we're just called to care. Yeah. And I think we're called to care one person at a time. And we, in order to be able to do that, I think we have to slow down. Yeah the numbers and the, you know, um, the wins that you can maybe celebrate in a public way, you know, in social media or, you know, whatever the case may be in someone's context. Um, 
the individual life that matters supersedes all of that. Yeah. Supersedes sure. all of that. So I think in, in this journey over the last year of, um, of dealing with, with the miscarriage, um, has really allowed me to, to kind of step back and say, okay, it's one person at a time. Yep. Um, we did name our, our, our kid, uh, Cole and, uh, when I look at kids today or, or, or even, you know, there's always this not argument, but this debate over, um, abortion and, and things like that. Um, and what, what women go through, what men go through, man, I, I slow down a little bit. I slow down a little bit. It's not about the debate. You know, it's not about the morality of everything. It's, it's every single life has a meaning and has value. And I want to slow down and recognize it. Mm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're called to do in ministry. Yeah. Well, yeah. for sure. And I think, you know, just like you said, like it's, it's kind of sad that it took like all of this for you to realize that. But I, I think what the amazing realization that you've come to is <laughs> that that maybe you're not the center of the universe (laughs) and that, you know, and like, you know, because I think, I mean, I, I've had, we we go through the same things and meaning that we can get so caught up in the way that our life looks and also the way we think our life should look that Mm -hmm. when something messes that up, you know, that's when we get into that, you know, sort of, you know, argumentative mode or whatever. Um, But then when you realize, and I think what you have realized is that, you know, I'm not the only person in the world who is going through this and that there's just like you said, there's a people in my community all around me that are going through a lot of devastation, different yes. devastation, different hardships, different uh, trials of life. But that makes you care a lot more. And, you know, I pray that we would all have that sort of, same eye to see people that are in that sort of desperate, devastated state, because when you do that's that's when the gospel becomes real. Then it's not just something you cliche speak behind a pulpit. It's something that you're speaking again, you're speaking to a person Yeah. and that's a little bit more real. That's a little bit more raw. And I think it's supposed to be, um, I think it's supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, honestly, if we're talking ministry, I, I just think there's a, um, you know, when I, when I go to sleep at night, I feel so oftentimes I feel so good if, if I'm ministering, if I'm doing ministry out of such a vulnerable place, if I'm doing ministry out of, you know, uh, a place of experience, you know, just doing life and having gone through such a, such a deep and devastating thing or good thing. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, even the journey down here, you know, I just the other day, I was just thinking, wait a minute, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I'm doing ministry in St. Pete, Florida. Like, no, this is good. You know, sometimes things just, they work, they work out. And, and, um, and so I think if, if we're ministering from, real, real spaces like that versus what, um, 
sometimes what ministry school is saying or social media or other people are saying that ministry should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's so much better when you're just living it out. Yep. Not trying to be anybody, not trying to be any type of ministry, just trying to be you and, and do what you need to do for your, your locality. Mm. That is so important. And, you know, sort of, um, no, I don't want to keep you any longer than you have to. I know I could feel like we could talk for a lot longer, but um, as I, I always ask this question at the end, and I think you'll have a good perspective on this because, you know, this this podcast is hosted by the Majesty's Men. And after all these things that you've learned, after all these things, you know, after all this, for lack of a better word, wisdom that you've probably garnered through all of these events, all these journeys, all these seasons of life. Um, what would you say is the one thing you would want to say to an audience of young men, young ministers, as they approach the ministry? And, you know, we've talked about, you know, not looking like it does on social media, but all those, all those things factored into it. What is sort of the one thing you would want to tell them what, what what would that one thing be? Oh, that's a great question. And I've, you know, I listened to this podcast and I've heard this question <laughs> over and over. And I don't know why I didn't anticipate it. Uh, um, I think honestly, uh, go on the journey of knowing who you are uh, before uh, I'm sorry, going on a journey of knowing who you are outside of ministry um, before your identity gets defined by ministry. Mm. Because I think For young, for young guys doing this thing, again, I think we're just looking, we're looking to the left, we're looking to the right, but never really looking at what God wants for us. But I want to, I kind of want to get outside of ministry because I think you're the best minister when you've gone on the journey of knowing you, of, of, of figuring out what your identity looks like in God. Um, before your title begins to define you or the, the type of church type of church that you go to defines you. Um, I think, I think it's important for, for us to know who we are. Um, because I think when you've gone on this journey, when you've figured out who, or, or at least have done the work of trying to figure out who you are, um, there's, you, you build a little bit more confidence, um, your identity can give you a good context as to what area of ministry um, you should be in, um, what, what location is going to be right for you. Um, is full-time ministry right for you and your goals, you know, for you and your family? Uh, is it bivocational, you know, um, I don't think you know that until you've gone on the journey of knowing who you are. Um, I think even, you know, your, your journey, this last, you know, seven, eight months, you know, can testify to that. 
um, really trying to figure out, okay, I, I need to, the, being, being in ministry, being called pastor, you know, um, that, that's not, that's not my identity. I, you know, that's, that's not what God has, has called me, um, to be. He's called me to be Miko. He's called, he's called you to be Brad. And, yep. and, um, so anyway, I think, I think it's important for people to just go on that journey of, of knowing, knowing who they are. We do this, this exercise at my church, um, not really an exercise, but it's somewhat of a rule. So if we, if I had to do announcements in service or do a greeting or welcome, that kind of thing. Um, when I get up there, I say, um, Hey everybody, my name is Miko and I am on the pastoral team here at Pinellas community church. If I were to get up there and say, hello, my name is pastor Miko. My pastor would, he wouldn't lose it, but I would hear about it the next day. And, uh, he says, he would say something like this. Your name isn't pastor. That's not, that's not who you are. Um, your job, your vocation is pastor, uh, but your name is Miko. Um, so I want people to see and know Miko, not pastor. I want them to see and know Miko. And I think it's just a kind of a silly little exercise to do and think about, but um, he's right. Yeah. And so if I'm allowing people to see Miko, then I really need to know who I am. I really need to go on that journey of knowing who I am and what I care about. I care about coffee. I care about people, um, people living out their dreams. I care about people even doing self-discovery. I care about people affecting change in their communities. You know, I care about my country. I care about, um, I care about people stepping into, to ministry. I care about young, young married men who are dealing with, um, or having gone through a miscarriage. I know that about myself. You know, I, I love movies, even though you shoot them down whenever I say I like <laughs> the movie. Um, but I know this, you know, I know this stuff about me. Therefore, because I know this stuff about me, it provides an incredible context to what I can step into or step mm -hmm. out of. Yeah. Because yeah. if it doesn't flow with who I am, then it makes no sense for me to even be a part of that. But yep. I cannot know that until I've gone on the journey of discovering who I am. Hmm. That's really good, Miko. And yeah, we didn't talk about movies. Uh, we didn't get to talk about uh, why Inception is the best movie of all time. That is just um, not so... the case at all. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to save that for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Miko, honestly and truly, I want to thank you for carving out this time, but also uh, allowing me to sort of probe and ask some maybe more tough questions. But I want to thank you for just being honest and vulnerable. And I think, um, I think it'll have a great impact. I know it has on me already. Uh, I, I, I know this for sure. You're a very good friend and I really appreciate you and your ministry. And so just thank you for being uh, vulnerable and uh, I hope we can do this again. Of course. Thanks, Brad. Thanks again to Miko for taking the time to come on the show today. I know I was supremely blessed by this conversation. I pray that you, the listener, were as well. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram and go check out his website, MikoSeymour.com. You can find all those links in the show notes. 
And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for listening along. If you like what you just heard, be sure to follow the show on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks again for the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring the show. And thank you, as always, for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.